Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. I'm so excited that you are here with us this Sunday. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Christina Cooper. I'm the family ministry director here. And if you do know me, then you know that was pretty exciting to introduce myself because that's one of the few times I've done it as a Cooper. So I got married last month. My uh, lovely husband is in the back running my slides, feeling a little more pressure than most Sundays. Um, and we're just so excited to be here. Uh, as you know, or you may not, we've been talking about this series, This Is True, That Is Real. And you know, two years ago, we started this church for people who were disenfranchised from church or didn't know anything about Jesus and wanted to learn. And since then, what's been so cool to be a part of is some of you have come to a new faith. You've said yes to Jesus. And since then, you've, you've come and you've talked with us about, okay, you know, I'm learning about this new faith, but sometimes I feel like things just aren't lining up with the realities of life that I face. And so we want to tell you, we get it. We understand that sometimes there's tension there. And we are here to embrace that tension with you and be on that journey. And that's why we've created this series, That Is True, This Is Real. And so the last two weeks, we've talked about some of these tensions. And we do it with these books. So here we go in our little library here. First off, we talked about the tension where, yes, you can know God. You can have a relationship with the creator of the world. But at the same time, God is a mystery, and you're never really going to fully understand him, and that's okay. Here's something else we believe. We believe that you can know God in a moment. That moment that you say yes to Jesus, in that instant, you're reconciled to him, and you have a relationship with God. But we also believe it'll take forever to truly understand what that means. You've probably heard that faith is a journey, and that's something we also want to be a part of with you. Here's something else we believe. We believe that yes, the Bible is all true. The scriptures are God-breathed. It's God's word, and it's an incredible resource for our faith. But at the same time, we understand that sometimes the Bible doesn't teach you everything that you need to know. Adam joked that it doesn't tell you how to change a tire. And, you know, among my peers, something that's a popular topic is it doesn't teach you how to know when your significant other is the one. I mean, there are some big things that aren't in there, and that's where together we feel like prayer and community and church, that's where all of these things combined with the scriptures make a growing faith. Another thing we believe is that trust leads to stronger faith. Taking those leaps of faith, that is what makes your faith grow. But also, we don't deny that there's doubt. And we think that doubt can lead to stronger faith too. When you face your questions head on and you actually learn and grow from them instead of shying away from them. So here we are. Here are all of our books. And this is what we've talked about so far. Now today, I only get two books because apparently Adam is stingy and doesn't want to share all of his books. Or we have like a low prop budget or something. But I only get two today. And they also happen to be, I think, the most controversial books that we have. So there's some sort of conspiracy going on because I'm here to talk about with you today something that not only, you know, Adam, John and I were joking as we were talking about it. Adam always says, like, if you tweet this out, you know, I could get in trouble. And John and I were like, man, yeah, if someone tweeted this out of context, I could seriously get in some hot water. But the thing is, we were joking. John said, you know what, though? Like, Jesus got in super hot water for this too. So like 2,000 years later, it's still a, a hot topic. And I think that that means we should definitely still be talking about it, you know, as, as something just as important today. And so without further ado, I'm just going to let you have it. Today we're talking about that, yes, 
your beliefs matter, but people matter more. There's that moment where you just went, oh man, DHC has gone soft. They've watered down the gospel. I knew it was going to happen one day. You were all suspicious, and here's the day. No, before you lose your mind, uh, we actually believe that Jesus said this first. And the thing that we need to realize is that with his stories, with his words, with the actions that he showed, he was saying this very thing. And here at DHC, we believe in following Jesus's lead. So if there is something that he has maximized, we want to maximize it too. And if there's something that he kind of flexed on, then we think we should consider maybe doing the same and following his lead. So let me set the scene. Jesus walked into a culture where all they knew was the law. And we've talked about the law here at DHC before. You've probably seen this screen if you've been with us for any length of time. Because the law is 10 commandments. It's 613 rules and, and laws, and there's rituals, and there's sacrifices, and you're not even allowed to wear polyester. I mean, that's how specific these 613 laws are. They were really hard to follow. But for the Jewish people, this was their way to get close to God, was following these rules, knowing it inside out, and following it with everything that they had in them. So the law was very important to this people because they so desired to know God and to have a relationship with him. But the thing was, is it was still imperfect. And we think that God didn't design the law to be the end product for his people. In fact, the reason for the law is to show our great need for a savior. So that's where Jesus steps in. This is the old way, the law. And Jesus brings in this new way. And I believe it relates to this. And I'm going to talk with you about three examples today about how Jesus showed this so greatly in the life that he lived on earth. So first off, again, setting the scene, there are these people, the Pharisees. You might've heard of them. They're religious leaders of the time. They were kind of like the keepers of the law. And they were always in contention with Jesus because Jesus has this new way. He had this huge following. And the Pharisees, for millenniums, they had set up a status quo with the Jewish law leading the structure of their society. And Jesus is changing the status quo that they have created. And they don't like it. And so they always were like then trying to get Jesus in tricky situations to kind of say something like radical enough to lose his following. And one day they bring to him an adulterous woman. And they say to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? Now, the thing whenever the Pharisees did this to Jesus, the thing that was so frustrating with them is he always had an answer they just couldn't like expect. And it was so annoying for them, I can imagine. I picture them like, you know, huddled up trying to think, okay, if he says this, we'll say this. If we say this, da, 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 da like trying to prepare. And regardless of their efforts, they were never ready. Um, because that's just how different Jesus was than they'd ever known. And so Jesus says to them, paraphrasing, he says, okay, then the first of you with no sin cast the first stone, to which all of the Pharisees have nothing they can say. They've never known grace like that, and it wasn't what they could expect. And so sh sure enough, they start dwindling away until it's just the woman and Jesus left. And Jesus says to the woman, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? To which she says, no, my Lord. And he says, neither do I condemn you. 
go, and from now on, sin no more. And see, beliefs are important in this because they show that the woman, you know, needed a savior. The decisions that she had made led her to this desperate place. But Jesus, instead of, you know, going to the law, he says, I want to give you a second chance. And he extends grace like they've never known before. And that's because to Jesus, yes, beliefs matter, but his people matter more. And you know, there's another story. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this word here on the screen, the Sabbath. The Sabbath is an incredibly important law to the Jewish people. The Sabbath is the seventh day of the week, so basically Sunday, and it was their day of rest. They were not supposed to do any work on this day, and it was something that they followed very strictly. And Jesus, however, would be in the synagogues, he'd be in the towns, and he would be healing people. So essentially, he would be breaking the law by healing people on this day. And the Pharisees were up in arms about it. I mean, can you imagine? It's kind of crazy for us to think that they're seeing Jesus perform miracles, bringing the disabled and the sick to health, and they're furious about it. And I just love Jesus' response. It's recorded in the scriptures, and it's a verse I love. It's this. Jesus says, Who among you has a sheep that falls into a pit on the Sabbath and will not take hold of it and pull it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep. And I love that because yes, beliefs matter. Jesus believes that we should rest. That's something we should still observe today. We should, we need rest in our lives, but his people matter so much more to him. He's not going to turn a blind eye to someone he sees suffering just because of what day of the week it is. Yes, beliefs matter, but people matter more. We believe that Jesus did and said these things because he has a bigger story for you. You see, if the adulterous woman and these sick people, if their stories had ended with the law, then there would have been stoning and staying in sickness. That's just where the story would have ended. But God, through Jesus, has a bigger story that he was unveiling to his people at this time, where now there's second chances and there's more. It's a bigger story. So my third example, it's the, it's the big one. It's the one we're kind of going to land on. And this is a story I am sure you have heard before. It's extremely popular in our faith, but I, I would dare say that you're going to hear it today in a way that you've not th uh, thought about it before. Even when I was researching it, I just felt a new awe about just how incredible this story is. And it's a story that Jesus told. It's called The Prodigal Son. And I want us to start and dive into it together here in the book of uh, Luke. But first, before we dive in, we need to realize, and this is what we're going to get to, is that we were not Jesus's original audience when he shared that. So that's that token to keep in mind as we start reading this. Here we go. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So basically he's saying, I want your money and I wish you were dead. And for some reason, the father agrees to divide his wealth between his sons. So a few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all of his money in wild living. So basically, he moved to Fort Lauderdale. And about the time that his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and so he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him but no one gave him anything. So this guy here is hitting rock bottom. And honestly, we could all be that person. 
Maybe you make a terrible decision that just takes you far away from home. And like most terrible decisions, you have to deal with the terrible consequences that unfortunately follow them. And you're faced thinking, man, if only I could go back. If only I could go back home, but what would my family think? How would my church react? And the younger son, the scriptures tell us here, is kind of having that moment where he's like, if only I could go back. And he thinks to himself, even my father's slaves have it better than I do right now. And so he musters up the courage and thinks, all right, I'm going to go back and I'm just going to beg to be a slave. So that's what he decides to do. He returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. So this is where I'm excited to kind of pause this story and make us all realize something. If you are a Jewish person, you are thinking that this is the end of the story for this kid. I mean, you could be a Jewish person listening and think, wow, Jesus, this is really a bummer of a story. Like, why are you sharing this with me? Because let me tell you what is coming to each person's head when they hear this. Because like I said, the Jewish knew the law inside and out. And there is a specific law that talks about if you have a child who uh, disobeys or, you know, disrespects his family. And it's laid out in Deuteronomy, again, one of the first five books of the Bible in the law. And this is the context that the Jewish people have when they hear what the son has done. So this is the law. It's a little harsh. It's going to be the harshest thing you've seen on this screen yet. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him, bring him out of the elders of the city at the gate of the place where he lives, and they shall say to the elders of his city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all of the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. This was the culture. This is just the way that the Jewish people knew to live. That's how their society ran. And so when they're hearing this story that Jesus is saying, they're thinking, this is the inevitable end for this kid because this is just the way that it was. And so that's what adds to the magnitude of what we're about to hear that the father does. Because filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And then the dad threw him a party, like on top of it. And the scriptures record that he said, we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother, the son, was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. This is shocking to the Jewish people. I mean, this is him reframing the story and changing the way of life that they've ever known it. This is truly a new radical way to live filled with grace and second chances and just love like they've never known before. This is Jesus creating redemption. And it's the redemption that he wants to offer us still today. It's his new way through Jesus coming on this earth, a new way to live and a new way to have relationship with God. This is Jesus saying, yes, your beliefs matter, but I have fulfilled what I needed to do when I came to earth and people, now they can matter more. So what do we do with that? What's the practical? We put this screen up every single week because we believe we want you to know exactly what to do with what you hear on Sunday mornings. And so I have three things for practical that I want to share. And the first Although I just, I felt like I had to go here because if you have not said yes to Jesus, first and foremost, today I challenge you, get to a place this week where you can reconsider that. Because 
I feel like Jesus gets a bad rap. I feel like Jesus gets a rap for being the guy all about the rules, and if you follow him, your life is blah, blah, blah. And it's like, do you hear the Jesus that actually lived? The Jesus that all he wanted to do was just love on his people and go and heal and, and be a part of their lives and go into their home no matter what they've done or what reputation they had in the city. That's the Jesus that we can follow and have a relationship with. And so I encourage you, think about these stories. Think about the Jesus that truly is all about redemption. The one who wants to take you where you are and take you to where you want to be. That's the real Jesus that I challenge you to say yes to. Secondly, I challenge you to choose love. Because maybe you have said yes to Jesus in here, but because of your beliefs, there's someone in your life that you've put a wall up with. Someone where maybe they just didn't make decisions that you agreed with, or their life took a path that you, you know, didn't agree with as well. And, you know, whatever the case may be, it's caused you to put a wall up. And I challenge you to take Jesus's lead. He didn't allow beliefs to get in the way of how he treated people. And I, th I think that if we all decide to choose love over anything else, not only would our families look different, our, our community, but even if we all did it, our city and our world, you know, that's, just, that's a big mission, and that's my biggest challenge. But thirdly, if you related most with the prodigal son, then there's something you need to hear today. God has a bigger story for you. If you feel like, oh, it doesn't matter. So I've done something. I'm too far away from God. I just, you know, all the skeletons in the closet. I don't know if he would ever accept me. Yes. Yes, he would, because he is in the business of redemption. That's what he is all about. That's why he came to this earth and he reached out to his people and again and again showed that he loves you specifically and no matter what, wants you to have a relationship with him. Because you see, in the story that Jesus told, the prodigal son, God is the father in the story. He wants you to be a, bar, a part of his party. He wants you to have a seat at his table. It's incredible. And it's something that will change your life if you can realize that that is what God wants for you. And so if we're the first to say it here at DHC, please know we want to be that voice. That's why we started this church, that no matter what, you have a place with us and you can come home because that's what God wants. And that's our heart here too. Yes, your beliefs matter, but people matter more. Will you guys pray with me? Dear Jesus, it's just truly incredible and I'm in awe of the radical things that you showed through your actions when you came to earth and the beautiful things that you said. God, we're just, we're so enamored by you. We're so thankful for everything that you did for us and that you came to earth so that we can have a relationship with you, that we can have this new way and this new life and this redemption. God, I pray over all of these people here. I pray that they would be like stirred up with the redemption that's possible to them and that they would see that with the relationship with you comes this bigger, greater story, God. We're so thankful for your love. And I pray over us as we go out today that your love would be in our hearts and in our actions. I thank you and I pray this all in your name. Amen.